Oh, man. How many are ready to get in the Word this morning? Are you ready to get in the Word this morning? Uh, we are going to get into, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forewarn you, I have 18 pages of, no, of notes. Uh, it's only 18 when I blow it up to 24. So, uh, or the uh, typeface 24. It's, I, I have quite a lot this morning, but this is one of those messages that I really, in, boy, I can't recall having preached on this specific subject in at least the time that I've been here, but I don't think I've preached on it in the last 10 years. And so this morning, we are going to continue in our series called Back to Basics. Uh, we've been, now we've gotten through, uh, we talked about the Bible, we talked about the importance of Scripture, we've talked about the Trinity last week. Um, this week, we are going to begin to st- uh, our study in the truth of who Christ is. Many Christians have an idea of who Christ is, right? I hope so. Many Christians have an idea of who Christ is. Some have a general idea, while some have an extensive knowledge of his life, his death, his resurrection, and someday his return. And so in preparing for this study, one of the pitfalls of preaching is that eventually you're going to cover the same ground, right? I mean, that's really, boy, Becky, Sal, how you guys doing? Awesome. Hey, Sal graduated from, what was it, Iowa State? Hey, and they had a big game last yesterday, so that was good. Uh, Sal, congratulations. Do you give him a hand? Good job. Uh, Sal, seeing, seeing you guys over there, seeing you smiling, just kind of took my train of thought over there. So uh, it's actually little baby Irene is what it is. So she's a sweetheart. Oh, my goodness. Okay. How many know that a lot of times in preaching, uh, you know, you're preaching the Bible? And sometimes you cover the same stuff. But you, hopefully, when you cover those same things, you're seeing it in a different perspective. You're seeing the Holy Spirit reveal new things to you and, and new insights and new revelation, right? And so that's always a good thing to hear. We want to we make sure that we keep longtime listeners engaged. The last few sermons have been uh, retreading or uh, uh, going over again what we have preached on more than a few times here at Calvary. And so... Uh, Today's message, I really think, I don't, I mean, honestly, I'm trying to think back the last six and a half or so years that I've been here, plus other times where I've preached in different churches and in various uh, venues, that I don't think I've ever fully preached on this subject. We're going to begin, first, let's begin with prayer. That's always a good place to begin. Lord, we thank you that I have an opportunity this morning to preach your word. Lord, let them be your words. Your thoughts. Holy Spirit, lead us. Lead me. Just as you have led me in preparing this message, lead me in preaching this message. Lord, I pray that those who are here, those who are listening, would have open hearts, that they would have open ears to hear what it is you want to speak to them, that you would speak to them and it would stay with them. We, Lord, we thank you and praise you for your goodness and grace that is new every morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you would, uh, we're going we're gonna to start this morning by going to the FCA website. If you'll go to the next slide there. Uh, Jonathan, if you want to turn the lights off. so Oh, it's too small for you to see, but that's okay. It says this. Uh, number three, I can't blow it up, but number three in FCA, what we believe says, we believe in the deity or the deity in humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Say, fully God, fully man. 
Go ahead and turn the lights back on, Jonathan. We don't want to make it too easy for people to fall asleep. Amen? Where, where are some people that are normal sleepers? I'm just kidding. Oh, boy. We got both sides. Wow, ganging up on me. Yep, that's how it goes. In order to understand the truth of Christ, let me say this clearly. In order to understand his life and his sacrifice, we need to have the understanding that during his time on earth, Jesus is fully God and fully man. Amen? We've spoken the last few weeks, of course, his role in the Trinity, Jesus in the Old Testament. I think it's, I think it's been made pretty clear from this pulpit that Jesus is fully God. He didn't start off as God in the New Testament, right? But he has always been, will always be God. It brings us to our first verse this morning, a very famous verse in the Bible. It is John 1, verse 1. It says this, In the beginning, say beginning, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Say, the darkness has not overcome it. How many glad to know the darkness will not overcome? Amen? Say, in the beginning, from the moment that we understand the concept of time, Jesus was there. From the moment that we understand like what we refer to as in the beginning, because that's the only reference we can understand in our concept of time. In the beginning, Jesus is eternal. He has no beginning. He has no end. But our understanding of time is in the beginning, He was there. He was there before time. He will be there after time. He is eternal. He is almighty. He is everlasting. He is all-powerful God. Amen? And now we're not talking about God the Father or God the Holy Spirit. We're talking about God the Son. He is the deity. He is the deity. He has been, will be, forever be divine. Author Matt Perman wrote this about the divinity of Jesus. I like this. The Bible teaches that Jesus is not merely someone who is a lot like God or someone who has a very close walk with God. Rather, Jesus is Most High God Himself. Titus 2.13 says that Christians, as Christians, we are looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus. Amen? Upon seeing the resurrected Christ, Thomas cried out, My Lord and my God. We are not worshiping someone who is below God the Father or, or, or uh, below the Holy Spirit. Likewise, the book of Hebrews gives us God the Father's direct testimony of Christ. But of the Son, He says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The Gospel of John calls, Gospel of John calls Jesus the only begotten God. Another way the Bible teaches that Jesus is God shows His attributes. The attributes of God. Matthew 16.21, He knows everything. Matthew 18.20, He is everywhere. He has all power. Matthew 8.26, He depends on nothing outside of Himself for life. John 1.4, He rules over everything. Matthew 28.18, never began to exist and never will cease to exist. John 1.1, He is our Creator. Colossians 1.16. In other words, everything that God is, Jesus is, for Jesus is God. Amen? Now, we're going to get into some simple truth. Jesus is God. But we're going to get into some deep stuff today too. Amen? We're going to get some deep stuff because sometimes we need milk and sometimes we need meat. 
Sometimes we just need stuff that settles our stomach a little bit. How many have ever been sick? What settles your stomach the best when you're sick? People would say, what? Who said 7-Up? Who, who says 7-Up? That's it. I'm from Michigan. In Michigan, we have Verner's Ginger Ale. My wife hates it. I love it. But that's what works. There's sometimes where you take something just to settle your stomach a little bit, just something simple, something to satiate you. But then there's times where we need meat. We need protein. How many know we need beef, Doug? Sometimes we need beef, Gary. <laughs> oh, man. Colossians 2, 9 through 10 says this. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity or the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Say fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Say yet. Now, by saying yet does not mean that everything that was just said is not true, but that there is more to it. Because it's been established that Jesus is fully God, and we see that a deep, incredible truth here. As Jesus is fully God, Jesus being and still being fully God, amen, also became fully man. The divinity took on humanity. The divinity, the, the divine, the deity took on humanity. The theological term for it is called the incarnation. How many know that just in just a few short months, we're going to be celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. Friends and family. For some people, just a few short months. For me in my house this morning, I was singing Christmas songs. My kids couldn't stand it. Or they really love it, and they're just pretending. Eli, do you love it? Leave me alone, Eli. How many know we're going to celebrate Christmas in a few short months? We celebrate the incarnation. We celebrate deity taking on humanity. It's a celebration of what we call the Word becoming flesh. John 1.14 says this, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This morning as I was driving to church, in my mind I started singing, or really just out loud, I started singing. How many know this, the song, Mary, Did You Know? It's a Christmas song. Mary, did you know that you're a baby boy? That one? I'm singing that because that's that just kind of where my heart is right now. I, I'm excited for the Christmas season. It's one of my favorite seasons. And I'm thinking about, man, the Word became flesh. Jesus, God, took on humanity. Philippians 2, 5-7 through 7 says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature of God, did not consider equality with the God with God something to be used for his advantage. This is exactly what it says. He had equality, he has equality with God. He did not consider that his advantage, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the nature of a servant being made in human likeness. The incarnation, deity becoming humanity. Herman went on to say, throughout the Gospels, Jesus clearly displays human emotions. Here, it begins to get a little bit more difficult for us. When Jesus heard the centurion's word of faith, the Bible says he marveled. It says in Matthew 26, 38, that his soul was sorrowful 
sorrowful even to death. He's full of sorrow. You see, that's a human emotion. That's a human interaction. Sorrowful even to death. In John 11, Jesus is deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. He even weeps. John 12 says, now my soul is troubled. He is troubled in his spirit. The author of Hebrews writes that Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. How many ever pray to the Lord with loud cries and tears? That's human emotion. One pastor said it this way, Christ has put on our feelings along with our flesh. He put on our feelings along with our flesh, but this is important. His deity, his deity, him being God, him being fully God did not make him superhuman and his humanity did not diminish his deity. His humanity did not diminish him being fully God. Him being fully God did not diminish him being fully man. It didn't make him a superhuman. There are some weird teachings out there about Jesus and his abilities. But he, I, I like some of the explanations of he willfully chose to follow the will of the Father. I love that. Jesus was a baby, of course, we know this. Luke 2.7, he got tired. John 4.6, he was hungry in Matthew 4.2. He mourned the death of his friend Lazarus in John 11.35. It's an astounding thing to comprehend. I mean, it really is. Think about comprehending God came down, took on flesh, fully divine, yet fully human. I want us to look at what is known in theological circles as the kenosis, say kenosis, of Christ. Kenosis is a Greek word. It means this. It means being poured out or emptied out. In fact, it comes from this verse. Go to Philippians 2.7. Philippians 2.7, it says this. Uh, do you have, uh, yeah, we have it. Rather, he made himself nothing, say nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He made himself nothing. The NASB says, but Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men. Now, I want to be careful here. There's a lot of false teaching that is based on this one verse. The question becomes this. What did Jesus empty himself of? In this emptying, in this he made himself nothing, this kenosis, he emptied himself, he poured himself out. What did Jesus empty himself of? One minister said the kenosis was not an emptying himself of deity. He didn't stop becoming, he didn't stop being God. Nor was it an exchange of deity or, or divineness for humanity. Jesus never ceased being God, listen to this carefully, during any part of his earthly ministry. Jesus has always been, will always be fully God. Amen? Nor, listen, Jesus never ceased being God. Christ completely submitted himself to the will of the Father. Completely submitted himself to the will of the Father, being fully God, having full equality with God. Full equality in essence and glory. But for this function as a servant, he said, God the Father, 
I give myself to your will. Another minister said it this way. It is better to think of Christ's emptying of himself as a laying aside of the privileges that were his in heaven. That he laid aside the privileges. That he, that he had communion with the Holy Spirit. There's a mystery when we talk about fully God and fully man. How many know that sometimes in the Bible, just like we talked about last week in the Trinity, sometimes it's a mystery. It doesn't make logical sense. How can you be 100% of two things? 100%, 100%. 100% God, 100% man. It's what the theologians call a hypostatic union. That he is at the same time, it's a mystery to the early church. In some cases today, it's still taught very poorly. In some cases today, it's taught so poorly that it is considered heresy or false teaching. And we want to be very careful about this. We believe Jesus fully God, fully man at the same time. We do not want to take or diminish from that. That is biblical. That is scriptural. That what happens is those who teach this false teaching or teach the kenosis theory, or really what's called the kenosis heresy, are taking one verse taking the Greek word from that one verse and then taking it out of context. How many know it's important that we read the Bible in context, right? So again, I said, some of this is simple. Jesus is God. And now we're getting into some deeper things here. Keep in mind that this is not merely an academic teaching or a study this morning. It gets to the heart of our faith in Christ. It gets to the heart of our faith in his life and his sacrifice. And so here is some of the false teaching that comes out of the kenosis heresy. Number one, I want you to listen to these carefully because you're going to hear something that might shock you, but it is true. Number one, Jesus gave up all of his divinity to enter humanity. He stopped being the Son of God. That's one of the false teachings that is taught out of taking this verse out of context. We can see, of course, go to uh, John 1.14. Mel, you're up there if you want to go back to John 1.14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory. Say His glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let me tell you something this morning. To say that Jesus was not God on His time on earth is heresy. It is false teaching. You should not listen to it. Here's another one. This is what is taught in these circles. That Jesus needed to be born again. Think about how ridiculous that sounds. Think about how ridiculous that sounds. Being born again for us means being saved from the wrath of God because of our sin. How many know Jesus had no sin? He became sin on the cross, but he had no sin. We need to have, we need to repent of our sins, have a new birth, and need to be regenerated. Here's the truth of it. Jesus Christ is God. Even when he lived on earth, he was sinless. Therefore, he did not need to be born again or to have his sins forgiven. He is not spiritually dead. He is the giver of life. Amen? John, Jesus said in John 6, 47, Verily, verily, I say to you, he believes in me will have everlasting life. Here's another weird one. Here's another 
these are, this is a, an, a third thing that comes out of this teaching, this heresy. Jesus paid for our sins in hell by being tormented there. That Jesus was on the cross. He gave up his spirit. He then went to hell, and he was tormented by demons. I want to say this clearly. There is simply no Scripture to back this up. None. We see in Ephesians that he descended into the lower parts of the earth. We see in Revelation he has the keys to death and hell. But there is no indication at all that he was tortured in hell by some demonic force or by Satan in any way. We are not given that at all. We are told he set the captives free. There's a whole theological thing we could get into about Sheol and what that is and things like that. But essentially, this is a false teaching. John 19.30 says this, when he had finished the drink, this is Jesus on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. Right, Steve? It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. I like this. The Greek translation of the words, it is finished, is the word tetelestai. It's an accounting term. You think, what does an accounting term have to do with the cross? Tetelestai means paid in full. It is finished. Paid in full. Let me make it clear to you. Jesus didn't pay for our sins in hell. Jesus paid for our sins on the cross. Amen? Jesus didn't pay for our sins in hell. Some of these claims are made out of ignorance, sheer ignorance, and all of them are made out of a bad context of Scripture. But some of these false teachings, or all of these false teachings, have been made by some really popular pastors and teachers that Christians love to follow and they love to listen to without understanding that what they are listening to is simply out of line with the Bible. It's not true. It's heresy. It's false teaching. The false teachings I just read off, by the way, have been made in some form or another, or another by names like Bill Johnson, Kenneth Copeland, Todd White, and Joyce Myers. You say, wait a minute. I like them. I like them. Now hear me clearly. I didn't say all of what they're teaching is false. But some of what they're teaching is simply not in line with the Bible. And I know people are saying, Pastor, boy, I really like that. I love Joyce Meyer. How many like Joyce Meyer? You like Joyce Meyer? I like Joyce Meyer too. I've heard Joyce Meyer in person. I like her. I like her husband. I think they have a fantastic dynamic. I think she does a good teaching, except when it comes to a lot of this stuff. Say, I really like this person. Well, I'm guessing you haven't heard or read everything they've ever taught. Or you haven't heard or read everything that they've ever preached. Because some of their stuff is fine and biblical, and some of it is not. This is why we need discernment. There are some teachings, listen, I like Joyce Meyer, but I don't believe everything she's selling. Amen? I like, some, I like some stuff from Kenneth Copeland. I grew up with Kenneth Copeland. I grew up with a show, I don't know if you guys remember this, I grew up with a show called Gospel Bill. Did anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Man. Old Pentecostal kids, I guess. I don't know. I, I grew up with a show called Gospel Bill. It was Kenneth Copeland, and it was cheesy as all get out. But man, I liked it when I was a kid. And so I grew up with some, I mean, good stuff, but then you get into some of the bad stuff. You get into the heresy, you also get into the, the teachings on prosperity and health and wealth that go against Scripture. 
And so you go, what do I eat and what do I spit out? Because as Christians, how many know, as believers, we need to know our Bible well enough that we can eat the meat and spit out the bones. Right? We need to understand our Word. We need to understand the Word of God. When we don't understand the Word of God, we just swallow whatever's put in front of us. We just take it in without any kind of discernment. This is why I am very careful before I grab a hold of any, whatever new teacher has a new prophecy about a new thing for a new time. And people say, what about this person? What about that person? All right, let's be careful. Let's see where it goes. There was a revival that was going on in Florida. I say revival with quotation marks. It was going on in Florida. This was 10 plus years ago. Late 90s, thank you. No, it was, it was past that. It was Bentley. So this is not Pensacola. This is, this is after that. Um, and if you guys know what we're talking about, it's, it's fine. But there was, a, there was a pastor there, a preacher there, that was holding these meetings. And uh, during it, he was kicking people. He was punching people. He was telling people that they needed to, that he was kicking demons and kicking, you know, doing a lot of weird stuff. Now, a lot of Christians were following him. And a lot of Christians were like, hey, you got to get on God TV and watch this guy, and then we're going to go to Florida, and we're going we're to get that same fire and bring it back to us. And Listen, I believe in revival. I do. But I see all the time talk about a new revival or a new awakening. And can I share the truth with you this morning? Most of that is simple marketing. It is marketing. I have seen time and time and time again where ministries and leaders that I either know personally or that I'm well acquainted with use marketing strategies, false miracles, false prophecies, and social media to build up an audience to make themselves look credible, and then they bleed people's pockets dry by manipulating them and coercing them to give all they have. This, uh, this revival that was happening in Florida. Everybody wanted to go to it. I was working as an associate pastor at an Assembly of God church at the time, and people from the church were like, let's go down to Florida. We're going to go to these meetings. We're going to bring back the fire. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The pastor, I was the associate pastor, the pastor came to me, and he said, what do you think about this stuff? Because there are some strange things going on there. So what do you think about this stuff? I said, let's just wait and see. I didn't speak against the man. I didn't speak against the ministry or what was happening. I didn't know what was happening down there. All I knew is what I saw online. All I knew is what I heard. And so rather than follow rumor and rather than follow the hype and rather than follow the trend, I just said, let's wait and see. If it's legitimate, it'll be proven to, show it to be legitimate. If it's not, it'll be proven to be not. There's multiple affairs happening. There's uh, cheating on his wife. There's all sorts of different allegations, including a lot of abuse. And pretty soon it ended. But I know people that were like, wow, the fire of God, we got to get down there. It's a new revival. It's a new awakening. We have so little discernment as people who call themselves believers that we swallow whatever is put on YouTube or, or TBN or, or whatever it is. 
There's a new poll that came out this last week, and it shows that believers, people who call themselves believers, don't know what they believe. Clearly have no clue what they believe. This new poll came out of those who were polled. 70%, I didn't say 7, and I didn't say 17, 70% of those who identified as born-again Christians disagree with the biblical truth that Jesus is the only way to heaven. 70%. When asked if Muhammad, Buddha, and Jesus were all presented valid, if they all presented valid ways to God, only 20% said that they they disagreed strongly. That means 80% believe that if Muhammad and Jesus and Buddha got together, they'd all be good. Now, if you know anything about the teachings of Muhammad or the Quran or Islam, you know it's pretty exclusive. Now, if you know anything about the teachings of Buddha, you know they essentially worship themselves, if not agnostic atheists. Now, the thing is this. Even in presenting Hinduism versus uh, Islam, they remain exclusive. You have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this in in order to to get saved, in order to, to be right with God or righteous. Now, they can both be wrong, but they can't both be right. You can't mix Islam with Buddhism. And let me say this clearly. You cannot mix Christianity with Buddhism. And you cannot mix Christianity with Hinduism. And we have a lot of people that it's called syncretism. That they're taking two religions and they're mixing them together. And they're saying, well, I'll take a little bit out of here, 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 and we'll mix it all together. And whatever the grab bag is of religion that I got, it's all good. Why? Because people don't understand what truth is. We have people who call themselves Christians but are perfectly fine with denying the words of Jesus when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. They either haven't been taught the Bible, which is tragic, or they just don't care, which is pathetic. you would stand this morning. This is tough teaching. Remember, I said that some of it's milk, some of it's meat. Jesus, fully God, fully man. In case it's not clear, I want to be crystal clear. I want to leave zero doubt among anybody listening as to where we stand as a church. In this church, we want to see Jesus glorified. Amen. We want to see him lifted high. We want to see him worshiped. We want people to accept his gift of salvation. We want people to know that there's absolutely no way to heaven other other than by having faith in Jesus Christ. By the way, Jesus Christ as he is revealed in the Bible. It's not there. Let's 
and get into more confusion there. The truth is we will warn you away from frauds and liars and con men and deceivers. That is my job as a pastor, is to warn you about the wolves. But ultimately, you need to come to a decision in your life to denounce sin, to repent of the evil, and to surrender your will to God. And then accept the only one who is fully God and fully man and paid for our sin on the cross. His name is Jesus. He is the only way you can be reconciled to the Father. He is the only way you can go to heaven. How many know he is the only way this morning? Amen? And he is the reason I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Some may be in this small town church this morning. Maybe you just randomly came in. You think, I'm just here by accident. I don't believe you're here by accident. Some may be watching online and you just tuned in. You just, hey, it's on YouTube and let's check it out. And it's by accident. I don't believe it's on accident. But you're watching, you're listening. And you've never truly made a decision to make Jesus Lord of your life. Make no mistake this morning, Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. There is no other name worthy of worship this morning. I know most of you who are here. I know most of you that love the Lord. But there may be some here this morning that just, they don't have a relationship with the Lord. And so I'm going to ask if you don't, if you would like to. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you come forward. But I'm, I'm going to ask that we pray together. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? Just very simply put your hand up and you put it back down. Say, I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if there's none, that's okay. That means we all love the Lord. We're all in good relationship. That's awesome. Maybe you're watching online this morning and you say, man, I need to get right with the Lord. If that's you, if you're here or watching, I'd like you to pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner and I need to be saved. Lord, I thank you for your sacrifice and for your forgiveness. Help me through your spirit to live my life for your glory. I renounce my sin. I renounce my past. And I believe that in Christ, all things are made new. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here this morning, if you're watching this morning, this morning if you made the Lord, if you made Jesus Lord of your life, please reach out and let me know. We want to gift you with, we have a gift for you. We want to gift you with something for new believers. How many know he is fully God, fully man? No mistake. We don't worship a dead man. We worship a live and risen king this morning, right? We are here to give him glory. We are here to lift his name on high. That is what our purpose is. Lord, I pray over those who are here this morning. I pray that you bless them. I pray that you keep them. Lord, I pray that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. Lord, I pray that this next week, at school, at their jobs, with their loved ones, 
you would give them opportunities to share you. Opportunities to share your gift, to share your presence, to share your glory. Lord, I pray over those who are here that you give them rest. In Jesus' name, amen.